0: Welcome to the Jeff Eby Show. Jeff
1: Eby Show.
0: Where the talk is all about Dixon County.
2: We welcome you this morning to another edition of the Jeff Eby Show where the talk is all about Dixon County. We appreciate you joining us in today. I'm your host, Jeff Evie. Please like and share this uh, video on Facebook. And if you're watching on YouTube, please like and share this link and give me the thumbs up on YouTube. And we're also available on Spotify. So if you're rolling down the road and you want to listen in, you can just turn into Spotify and you can uh, listen to our show. So today, uh, we've got the EMA director for Dixon County, Rob Fisher, on today. We're so glad that you were, uh, you know, take your time out. I know y'all are busy over there all the time, but um, we're so glad you to come on here and just kind of give us an overall kind of view of how the EMA uh, department works in the county. And uh, so we kind of just want to start just kind of giving a background on you. So just give us a little bit about, I know you're from Dixon County, right? Yes, sir. i uh, born and raised here. Been here all my life. And so, what's your schooling like? (laughs) Well, some
0: rocky roads in there. (laughs) Like everybody, uh, right? Like everybody. Uh, No, I started uh, uh, just like everybody else. Uh, My mom and dad were both in the the educational system. Uh, My mom taught for uh, uh, Burns Elementary School for 20-plus years, and my dad was also uh, a uh, teacher and the principal of the uh, Dixon I think it was high school at the time. Oh, really? That was the early seventies, like yeah. 72, seventy four But um, that's when that, the the
2: new high school. That's when it was pretty new,
0: right? Um, he was he was still over there on college. And oh, okay. Of course, all those schools have changed names right. so many times. It's kind of right. hard to catch up with them. But right. he was the one that was over on uh, where the middle school you know, is where the now, middle right? school is now. Cool. So yeah, uh, he's that's where they were at. But I started. Elementary school through uh, all of Burns Elementary, uh, then went, of the course, to, the, it was junior high. Yeah, then, I know. Uh, and then went to the high school, graduated uh, in uh, 1991. Okay. Seems like forever ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
2: Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Okay, so uh, you're you're uh, after you graduated, I mean, what did you do then?
0: Um, I was always, well, I shouldn't say always, I got active in the volunteer fire service in the Summer of 1988, I actually joined uh, what was the Dixon County Rescue Squad uh, then as a junior member, Uh, went all through high school as a junior member. Once we graduated in 91, you know, you move up into a senior member, but was with them uh, for many years, Um, worked at Tensco. Uh, Like a lot of folks uh, in Dixon, got out of high school, went on my, you know, senior, senior trip, come back and like Monday morning, I was hanging material at Tensco. So I did that at night, Uh, went to EMT school during the day. Um, And in 92, I think it was the fall of 92 after I got out of uh, EMT school, uh, picked up some part time shifts working at the uh, Dixon Amulet service. Um, also was, uh, working as a volunteer with the Dixon fire department at that time, uh, did some part-time shifts for them whenever they had part-timers, if they had some guys that were out on sick time or vacation time. Uh, and in 93, I was fortunate enough to go full-time, uh, with the city of Dixon, uh, working uh, for them in 93. So I left the, the Tenseco career and, and, uh, got into full-time, uh, fire and rescue work part-time. At the same time, with the Amlet Service, uh, I had a uh, what I believe was a great career uh, at the city of Dixon. I uh, started, of course, as a firefighter, worked my way all the way up to, they had sergeants at the time, and then uh, lieutenant training, and then I went to a shift lieutenant, and then I finished up uh, as the shift commander uh, for a shift okay. whenever I moved over into emergency management in April of uh, 2013.
2: Okay. So how hard is it, the, you know, the firefighting school, you know? I mean, that, that's a pretty intense school. Isn't
0: that, it? Uh, it is, uh, and that's one of those that it changes all the time. It never stays the same. You've got your constants that you always got to do. but right. There's always new techniques for this and new techniques for that. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty demanding. Uh, when you finish up that rookie school, uh, which whenever we went, we had to go through Murfreesboro uh, at the Fire Academy then. Um, and it was uh, it was six or eight weeks. You know now those programs are 12, 14 and some of them are 16 weeks wow. long. So they, they've added a whole <laughs> lot of stuff to it uh, since I took mine back in right. the early 90s <laughs> right.
2: Did 9/11 change any of that, that training?
0: N- 9/11 changed pretty much the whole gamut of what emergency services does right. from training on different uh events getting prepared for that whether it's a man-made or whether it's a natural uh communication um programs changed uh i mean it really it really changed the way we operate um now we found out after taking some of that that you still had to go back to the old school right, right? It's still you know you still can't keep up basics, with technology right. all the time so you, you got to go back old school but it did give you eye-opening experience on how we needed to move forward and and get progressive in the fire and rescue service
2: yeah because i think they found out of course the military this happens with them too when like two services come together for the first time they figure out that the communications aren't right you know there, there's a lot of problems when you're trying mm-hmm. to but you know in an emergency situation like that, I guess there was a lot of lessons learned, it's especially with communications maybe between the departments and things of that nature. Yes.
0: Um, they they put this in your brain from day one uh, in, in the fire service, that communications is always going to be your weakest link. And th- that is true to this day right now. Right. Right. Um, there's there's always some gap in there, whether, you know, you and I may be on the same call, I may have a radio, you may not, right. you know, or you may have heard something operate on this channel when we're really operating on this channel. Right. So communications is always um, your, your weakest link in the program, um, but it's like anything. It gets better and better every day.
2: Sure, sure. But yeah, the more you train and the more you operate with uh, – you know different elements within uh, even the county, like with mm-hmm. the, with the cities and things of that nature. Because in an emergency situation, everybody's got to be on the same sheet of music, sort of say, yes. right? And, and, yes. and sometimes it's really difficult to get there. It's
0: uh, it's, <coughs> it's it's extremely difficult to get there, uh, but everybody does a good job.
2: And I think one of the it, it, that I can remember was the Joe Daniels uh, case where there was a lot of different. Um, Uh, entities that came together a lot of different agencies that came together how do you think that went overall I know it it was what we were there maybe a week or maybe two weeks I can't remember
0: the the initial for the initial event for that day we were on scene there uh, for four days yeah Um, we had very good communications um, throughout the whole operation Um, but anytime you're dealing with uh, a missing child or a missing persons. You know, you don't know. Did it was one of those, you know, did the child walk away? Right. Was he abducted? You know, you don't ever know. So um, you have to treat that always as a law enforcement type issue right. because you don't know if there was foul play. You know, it, it could be somebody just basically walked away and, and never showed up, but, right. you know, somebody could be abducted. So you have to kind of treat that as a law enforcement issue. Um, And, of course, any time there's a law enforcement issue, there's information that is given out, and then there's information that's not shared, just strictly for security of the case. So anything that was able to be given out, we were able to disseminate that information and get it to the folks that, uh, that needed it. We had a lot of, of course, emergency personnel that was there, both local, state, federal, you know, in town, out of town. I mean, they were coming from everywhere. Uh, we had a lot of uh, private groups, that right? Were like search us and well. rescue people that came in, mm-hmm. yeah. and we were able to plug them into our system uh, relatively quick and be able to communicate back and forth with them.
2: Yeah, you know, being there, I saw where you know, there. It was m- mind blowing when you drove up to the site. How many people were mm-hmm. there, you know, and how many agencies were involved? Yeah. But it seemed you know, while I was there, that everything ran fairly smooth. It seemed like people, you know, knew what they were supposed to do and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of everything was coordinated pretty good.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, I'm sure that that's what a lot of people take away whenever they see some type of large-scale incident like that. It it probably looks like just chaos chaos going around. But there (coughs) is actually... A pattern to it, mm-hmm. and everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, but I, outside looking in, I'm sure it looks like just a bunch of ants running around. Yeah. But, but there is a pattern to it.
2: Now, who 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 is the controlling agency on that that whole thing? Was it was it your department?
0: No, uh, we weren't the controlling agency. Of course, you know we we always have the presence of to where if it's a missing persons, we treat it as a law enforcement issue. So we always let law enforcement be the the command control leading agent of that until they determine otherwise. Uh, So if that was, of course, you know, then it was Jeff Bledsoe. He was the sheriff at the time. So he was actually the lead lead agency agency that was with that. And, of course, everybody else kind of had a – we had a uniform command to it. Everybody in the command staff knew what was going on. but. We were kind of taking his lead right. on where we needed to go off of the information that was coming into us.
2: Right. And so and we talked about this a little bit off camera about the plan. The plan, the county. And I know as a result of 9-11 and some things later that, you know, these agencies begin to develop these plans in case of these emergencies, like, mm-hmm. you know, school incidences or, you know, missing persons or whatever like that. And that's something that you work with TEMA to kind of put together for our local situation here in Dixon County, right?
0: Yes, sir. Um, we are required uh, to have a BEOP, Basic Emergency Operation Plan. Every county in the state's required to have that. Um, and we keep that on file. It's one of those plans that's we have to update it constantly. We review, we review it every year. But every five years, it completely has to be broke down, reorganized and resubmitted back to the state. Yeah, because things change, you know. At, every day, Yeah, every day. Um, and that whenever we do that, that's a, that's a several month process uh, to get that done. Uh, we start the initial announcements with all the emergency department heads, um, our utilities, our highway, the schools are involved with it, our local uh, shelters, which our YMCA handles mm-hmm. a lot of that for us, all of those type groups are invited to that. Uh, and we sit down and we look at that plan, we go through it, and they get the opportunity of saying, hey, this is what I'm capable of doing. We can either change it in the plan or, no, I can't do that anymore, or I think this department needs to handle it. So we sit there and change all that, and it gives everybody time and the, the, the capabilities of of saying what they can do and what they can't do.
2: Right right. And that, that can be a long process, right?
0: Yes, it takes us uh, from beginning to end um, because we had to have multiple meetings on it. Um, it's, it's about a six to seven month process. So right. whenever that year anniversary comes up, we start a year out. I don't ever want to take it long enough to where, oh, we're right here at the yeah, you know, no, we're right. right here at the ninth hour. You right. know I don't ever want to be that way. So we start the process a year out. We get it done, and we usually have our plans submitted four to five months before it's due.
2: And that's submitted to TEMA?
0: That's submitted to TEMA. Uh, Their staff reviews it. Their planners review it. And if there's something in there that they think may not fit or that we need to change, they'll call us or they'll send us an email and say, hey, you know, what about this? What about that? And if there is a change to it, we have to go back with that group again, discuss that change, and then resubmit
2: and I, I assume that from TEMA, it's all rolled up into FEMA, I guess, into a it's FEMA the, plan.
0: They, they all, it's, it's, it's all part of it. Uh, they, they maintain our plans, and they have one for everybody in the state. Right, right. And then right. on top of that, we do the mitigation plan as well, which is the same process. Right. Uh, that's the one, that's the mitigation plan is the one that truly ties you in with FEMA and the federal disaster dollars. Uh, if you don't have a... Approved FEMA mitigation plan and you were unfortunate enough to have some type of natural disaster in your county, there is some limitations of right. what they can and can't do.
2: So the, the, the mitigation plan then tries to foresee things that are going to happen and come up with ways to deal with that or prevent that or whatever, right?
0: Yes, sir. Uh, it's the same process as the BEOP plan. Mm-hmm. We get those stakeholders involved. We, we sit down And we actually look at the track record of what's happened in that last, it's a five-year plan as well. So we actually look at that track record of what has happened the last three to four years. You know, if we've had multiple tornadoes or if we've had multiple flooding events or, you know, whatever it may Mm be, we look at that track record and see what can we do to change it in the future. You know, can we move this here or, you know, if this is a constant place of flooding and it's got a... 24-inch drainage pipe, what if we put a 48-inch drainage right. pipe in there? Right. So those stakeholders get that time to look at that, review it, and say, hey, this is what we think would help this problem. So you put that in there and you list those plans and you list those practices that you may want to change. And if any federal FEMA dollars comes available, you can actually apply the 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 government entities can right. can apply for those federal dollars to be able to offset the cost of upgrading that 24 inch culvert to a 48 inch culvert, gotcha. or making a wider bridge mm-hmm. or a shorter bridge or things like that
2: okay cool we're gonna we're gonna take a break and when we get back uh i want to talk a little bit about how how your department is organized i think uh, people are interested in seeing kind of the whole organization there so be glad to stay with us uh we'll be right back with rob fisher carrier doesn't have to be one of them. Make a choice you won't regret, the foremost choice.
1: Are you looking for your dream home? Well, Lee Realty Group guarantees you the perfect home. With our expert agents that have over hundred years of combined experience, you are assured 100% customer satisfaction. If you are buying or selling, Lee Realty Group is your local veteran-owned real estate company. Contact us now at six one five. 446-2006 446 or online at LeeRealtyGroupOnline.com. Like us on Facebook at Lee Realty Group. Doesn't have to be one of them. Make the choice you won't regret. The Foremost Choice.
2: Welcome you back. I'm Jeff Eby, your host of the Jeff Eby Show, and we're here with Rob Fisher, our EMA director from Dixon County. And before we went to break, uh, we were talking a little bit about the planning and th- everything that, w- that we do with TEMA, but I want to shift gears just a little bit and kind of talk about your uh, your whole uh, uh, department, how how it's kind of made up and how, how you work with other emergency uh, agencies in the county and stuff.
0: Okay. Um, the emergency management department, um, we have it now. It's broke up in, in three different divisions. Uh, of course, we have the emergency management side, um, and then we actually have the fire rescue suppression side that we, was created in 2018 whenever we got in the fire service to protect the uh, southeast corner of Dixon County. And then we actually have a, uh, the Dixon County safety side as well. Um, uh, our, the county is big enough with enough employees that we have. We actually have to have a safety director within the county, which I feel that role as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I do have members of my staff that uh, do the safety inspections. We inspect every government building that the county owns okay. um, every 30 days, uh, like all of our amulet stations, fire stations, um, sheriff's office to jail, courthouses, uh, schools, we're in the schools every 30 days as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, the fire suppression side uh, at this time.
2: And you're looking for all, like, f- fire extinguishers that are up to date and stuff yes, like that, right? Yes, sir.
0: Um, we inspect the fire extinguishers, make sure everything's up to date, uh, make sure there's no storage closets or Achilles' heels. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> everybody wants to store stuff in closets that they ought not to. So. Right. uh We look for things like that, especially in our schools. Uh, We also look at, you know, the plug covers. You know, you'd be surprised how many plug covers get broken and missing. So we look at things like that, stuff that ordinary folks aren't going to be looking for. Right. Um, And all we do is we report that to the the department hand or to the principal of school or whoever it is, the sheriff. Um, we give them the write up, you know, or, I shouldn't say the write up, you know, we just, we just let them know. The you know, this is a recommendation, this is the code or the violation. Um, and we give them 30 days, you know, to, and then they, we send them a, uh, a safety report of their facility. So if there is a infraction, we, we document what it is. They have about 30 days to fix it, and then there is a reply back to that. So if they went back and their maintenance department fixed that issue, they give us the date and the time and what they did to fix it. Um, it, it works out very well.
2: That's a lot to of buildings to, to inspect, It's isn't one it? or two. Yeah. <laughs> it's one or two. So imagine if, when, if you get through in 30 days, uh, at the end of 30 days, you're starting back over it's, again. It, that's
0: exactly right. Um, yeah. Because we do the all the landfill, the convenience sites. Uh, we don't get into the operation right. of any of those departments. We just inspect the facility to make sure the facility is safe for the employees, any of the visitors that that come
2: into those facilities. Right. So what do you you have uh, in the EMA department as far as vehicles and things that's kind of that it's in y'all's purview?
0: We, uh, of course, we have our regular staff vehicles that, you know, we do the safety inspections with. Um, We have a mobile command unit, uh, which we purchased in 17, which I believe you've you've, had the opportunity of seeing that. No,
2: that's what we had out at the, the Joe Daniels thing, yes. right? Yeah, yes. that was kind of the first time that y'all had it out.
0: That was that was it's pretty much its first run right. uh, to be able to go to a call, um, and we have, uh, you know, of course we got fire apparatus, we got pumpers, we have tankers, uh, rescue trucks, um, and then uh, various trailers that's got you know extra equipment on there because we handle the hazmat response countywide as well. So if there's any type of uh, hazmat incident, uh, whether it's in the county or one of the municipalities, uh, they request and we come to respond to that. We automatically go to the ones that are in the county, but if there's one inside the municipality city limits, they'll request us as well.
2: So like, and, and probably more likely than not, that's going to happen out on the interstate, right?
0: We live on the interstate. Yeah. <laughs> out there every day. Uh, that's, uh, that's a big issue uh, for us right now. Uh, that's because when you stop and think about it, you know, there's, you know, 20 miles of interstate. Right. That's one way. Right. So you technically got 40, 40 miles, miles of interstate. Right. And then you have five each way of 840. So we cover a lot of interstate territory, um, which Tennessee City Volunteer Fire Department covers pretty much from the rest areas to the county line, uh, which is the 163. Uh, City of Dixon Fire Department covers, there's about a mile that they cover in between right there at the 172, right, and then we get the rest of it, which that's where all the shenanigans happen. There's always something out there.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. I I don't want to put you on the spot about this certain vehicle, but I understand that if a a fully electric vehicle is involved in an accident, it's a hazmat. Uh, Yes. uh, Really? That is true. Yes. Have we have y'all had to go out on one yet? Not yet. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure it's coming. Yeah, because, uh,
2: I, you know, the possibility, because I, I was reading an article about it, and the possibility of being electrocuted and all yes. kinds of stuff get involved, and you got the battery mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff that yes. could really cause a problem.
0: It could cause major problems, right. uh, especially if that unit catches on fire. Right. Um, if you have a, a vehicle fire that is all electric, You've, you're gonna be bad, problems. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you got to account for all that battery acid. You got to account for all the, you know, the the smoke wherever it's going. Right. It's gonna have acid-laden material in it. So you got to make sure everybody's in and out of that smoke. Uh, it's uh, it's it, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, know. you know, everybody thinks you know this is good. This is good. Everything has repercussions. Right. Every good action has a a repercussion back there somewhere too. So right. I understand yeah. it, but
2: hopefully it won't happen. But you know, I it hope never it happen. Happen.
0: But it's there. We're seeing more and more electric vehicles in Dixon every mm-hmm. day, uh, and a lot of them you can't you can't tell the difference yeah, whether man. it's electric or whether it's a combustion engine unless you're sitting right next to it. And it's, right, you can't hear it. It's whatever. just humming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but they they do have their own issues as well.
2: Yeah. Okay. So uh, out at Iron Hill, that is really the one of the fire departments that y'all. Control. Yes, sir. How
0: does that work? Yes, sir. Um, we had, of course, we started through our office, through the EMA office. We do studies of everything. We do that all the time, uh, of where emergency protection needs to be increased, where it doesn't. You know, where everything's going good. Well, that whole southeast corner uh, was a large area that, per ISO, was you know completely unprotected because right. ISO wants you to have a fire department every five miles. Right. You know, so they want you to be able to have five road miles for every fire department for it to be covered by a fire station. And that was a huge chunk of ground that didn't have that. Um, Now, what
2: happens when a a fire station is put into an area and then you uh, uh, apply for an ISO change, then what happens is everybody's homeowner's insurance goes down as a result of protection from that fire station or whatever.
0: Yes and no. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it is truly up to your homeowner's insurance to give you that credit or not, um, and and we have seen that as well. I mean, we 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 get calls all the time about my homeowner's insurance is extremely high, and I've got a fire department that's four miles from my house. You know, but it's it's really up to that insurance company to make yeah the change. that change. Right. Um. And and. You know, it's, it's up to them. You know, the county is doing everything they can do to put the pieces in place t- for you to be able to get that benefit. But at the end of the day, it's up to that insurance company to make that recommendation to, to bring it down. Um, just because ISO gives us a grade of 5 or 6 or whatever it is doesn't mean that you're going to get it per your homeowner's insurance. That's the reason why, you know, we always tell everybody, you know, It's up to you, you know, Mm -hmm. shop around, you know, get some, you know, get some stuff or get, you know, other, other insurance companies to quote it. Um, Because we see that now. Right. Uh, We've got that, uh, the Iron Hill station, it's been in operation since um, the fall of 18, spring of 19. Uh, We're an ISO of six, which is, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. It makes a a big difference. For a rural community to have that. Uh, so that's six within five driving miles of that. But we still have citizens that live two, three miles from that station that their insurance company will not honor that and right. still has them at a nine or a ten. That's We can't, we can't change that. Right. That's up to the insurance agent.
2: Now, out there, do y'all, you have full-time employees out there, right?
0: Yes, sir. Um, when we started that station, uh, we have full-time employees there. Um, our first... Full-time employee that was through the Emergency Management Office was was at Charlotte Volunteer Fire Department. Uh, we started staffing that station uh, in the uh, spring of 2017. Um, we come into a, a MOU agreement with the city of Charlotte to where, of course, that's a volunteer fire department. Right. Um, got a lot of county buildings that are unprotected. Right. You know, of course, you know you got three schools. You got the jail, so there was a need to mm-hmm. have a full-time fireman there to, to help, you know, reduce any type of risk. So uh, Charlotte at the time was not, you know, in the position to, to put a paid staff there, so it was voted through County Commission yep. to create that, which, thank y'all, yeah. <laughs> uh, to get that. And uh, uh, we, we staffed that station Monday through Friday, 8 to 4, with one of EMA's paid staff. Uh, that was our first one, and then in 18... In the fall of eighteen, spring of nineteen, when we opened up Iron Hill, we were able to staff that station uh, Monday through Friday with paid staff as well. And now we're actually <laughs> operating in Tennessee City yep. Volunteer Fire Department. Yeah, and we're we, happy about that. Yep, we have uh, we have uh, a paid fireman that's in that station Monday through Friday as well, and all of them are doing outstanding. Yes, doing outstanding. N-
2: now, to, at Iron Hill, is is it still volunteer out there?
0: That is technically classified as a combination department. Uh, Through ISO and through the State Fire Marshal's Office, we're classified as a combination department due to the fact we have paid members and volunteer members. Uh, So, But it's classified as a combination. We do have volunteer members that our roster right now is sitting at 23, Uh, so we actually have six paid, which includes Tennessee City, um, Charlotte, and then what we have at my office, and then what we have at Iron Hill, and then the rest of them are volunteer.
2: Yeah, I know, you know, and we've talked a little bit about this on the, uh, the commission with the mayor and everything, but I know our, our goal eventually is to have all full-time uh, fire service everywhere in the county, but I know right now that's, that's like so cost, uh, you know, prohibitive that, you know, we just can't do it right mm-hmm. now, but I think that was kind of a way to move to that you know, in, in, in increments or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, you know, uh, talking to the people out of Tennessee City, of course, I'm, I'm, I represent them out there, and um, I think it's worked out awesome, you I, know.
0: I, I completely agree. I, I think it's absolutely wonderful what um, Cooper Holland's doing out there. Uh, of course, Cooper Holland manages Tennessee City, Shannon Yates handles uh, Charlotte Station, and then we actually have two that are rotating out of Iron Hill. Uh, Tony uh, Calhoun and Chase Hosmer, we have those out there. And then myself and Warren Vaughn are downtown on Cowan Road. Um, it's, it's amazing. You know, a lot of folks say, well, what, what can one person do? What can one person do? You'd be surprised mm-hmm. what one person can do. We have uh, numerous house safes uh, that started out as a small kitchen fire. That you know, our one of our staff was able to get in a truck. And, Of course, time times your the essence right. you got to oh, yeah, get there. No and if you're doing volunteer and you got to drive seven, eight, ten miles from your house to get to the station, right. and then hop in that truck, get that truck fired up, and then drive four or five, six miles to the house fire. Right. You know, every every, every two minutes that house it's going to double in size. So uh, we've 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 had several quality saves um that you know the home suffered damage but it was very easily fixable uh we've had three in charlotte and we've had i know three in tennessee city yeah so
2: all right well let's go let's go to break uh we're going to uh come back here in just a minute and I want to continue our discussion with that. And I want to talk a little bit about the volunteer fire departments, how they, you know, work together with y'all and how, that, how, how all that kind of happens and everything. So stay right with us. We'll be right back. Your insurance carrier doesn't have to be one of them. Make a choice you won't regret. The Foremost Choice.
1: Are you looking for your dream home? Well, Lee Realty Group guarantees you the perfect home. With our expert agents that have over 100 years of combined experience, you are assured 100% customer satisfaction. If you are buying or selling, Lee Realty Group is your local veteran-owned real estate company. Contact us now at 615-446-2006 or online at LeeRealtyGroupOnline.com. Like us on Facebook at Lee Realty Group. insurance carrier doesn't have to be one of them. Make the choice you won't regret. The Foremost Choice.
2: We welcome you back to the Jeff Eby Show. I'm your host, Jeff Eby, and we've been here with uh, Rob Fisher talking about all things EMA, right? <laughs> and uh, before we left, we were talking a little bit about uh, kind of uh, the Iron Hill project out here and how we've the the, the county has been able to put um, you know full time people in some of these volunteer fire departments and everything. So um, we were talking a little bit off camera about the the whole fuel depot thing where um, they're providing some additional funding for y'all, uh, for, uh, some various things. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yes,
0: sir. Uh, they, whenever they come into town, um, and, and started their process, they, they actually toured our stations, uh, the city of Dixon's fire department stations, Burns, and all those to kind of get an idea of what type of equipment we had, uh, if there was any, you know, new needs for anything. Um, and, you know, it's like anything, this fire suppression equipment changes right. every day. Uh, it's, it's There's always something changed. And, of course, to keep, to get your full credit, your ISO credits, you know, all these engines, they, they've got a shelf life. You know, you know, ISO counts it to where, you know, if it's this year old, you can get this. If it's new, you get this type stuff. Um, they recommend you rotating your fleet out. Well, our fleet was, you know, it's still good equipment but it's aged oh, yeah. equipment. So the 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 decision was made on, uh, I guess, at their behalf of, you know, uh, giving the county some funds to buy emergency equipment. So we were able to purchase one pumper for the Iron Hill station. At the same time, we bought the other six, you know, for the other volunteer fire right. departments. Uh, and then we were able to purchase a mobile phone trailer uh, that we can respond Anywhere in the county, uh, and, and all this equipment is able to go anywhere. It's not just for right, right. that site. It can go anywhere we, we need it to, um, and the foam trailer, and then there was also some training funds that were in there. Uh, now, what's, what's
2: the foam trailer? What is it?
0: The foam trailer, of course, you know, the, the Fuel Depot has its own phone system, which right. is it's top-notch. Uh, I'm, I'm extremely uh, surprised and to see how sophisticated that is. Right. That's actually a very good a piece of emergency equipment they have. But we we needed a foam trailer um, just in case oh, something foam. happens. Yeah, foam. I, I, foam. I was thinking foam. I was thinking, wait, what? <laughs> foam. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Make the soap bubbles. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we we purchased one of those to where, like I said, it, it's a trailer. You hook it up behind the truck. You take it wherever you want to. Um, plug in your pumper to it, and you can generate foam pretty much from anywhere. It'll, it'll carry 300 gallons of it, which is a lot of foam.
2: Now that's different because, you know, we hear, you see these commercials about the, I guess it was the old foam that caused Mm -hmm. some problems with uh, some um, people in the fire Mm -hmm. uh, 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 industry or whatever, but that's all changed, right?
0: Yes. They, uh, there's new foam being created every day and which is, it's a good thing. Um, You know, everybody wants to stay safe as they can at work and we do too, right? Um, so the f- the the foam that we will be using is, of course, environmental friendly, uh, and it doesn't have those uh, fluorines in it to cause you know any type of a cancer issue to to the firefighters that are using. Right. It. So it's fluorine free.
2: Okay. So all right. So that's pretty much. So they so they're doing that, and then I guess they're they're providing some additional funding for training and yes, uh, some other things or whatever. Yes, sir.
0: Um, there was uh, funds in there for training to send uh, some of our staff uh, to Texas. We're actually sending them to Texas A and M, the Teeks facility, uh, which is the the nation's leading, you know, bulk storage right. fuel fire uh, training ground. Uh, they do it all. They do the the pipeline. They do fuel tanks. They do aircraft. You know, they do it all. So we're we're sending two different groups down there. We'll start that in the end of June. Uh, with uh, four staff going down there for a week, and then we'll have some going in August, and then we'll have some going in October. Uh, We've got about 10 to 12 total staff members that will be going down there. Uh, Some of them are from my... The bulk of them are going to be from my staff because right. we actually cover the, the territory that's out there. Right. We've got some members from other departments that are going to that that will be coming to us if we need the help. So we wanted, you know, one or two of their guys sure. to be trained as well.
2: Sure. And they're they're funding all that pretty much, right? That,
0: that was part of those funds that they gave us. Uh, where they gave us that pool of money to be able to buy the truck, buy the foam, and then send those guys to, to school down in Texas. That's cool,
2: cool. Okay, so – in the county, we have how many volunteer fire departments?
0: Um, well, you have six volunteer fire departments, seven, counting us, volunteer combination. Of course, you know you got Claylick Volunteer Fire Department, Harperth Ridge Volunteer Fire Department, Cumberland Furnace Volunteer Fire Department, um, Sylvia Yellow Creek, Tennessee City Volunteer Fire Department, and then Dixon County Fire and Rescue. Uh, now, Van Leer... And Charlotte are classified as volunteer fire departments, but they're municipal volunteer oh, gotcha. fire departments. Those those six that that we that I just listed are the ones that the county supports with monetary
2: donations every gotcha, year. Gotcha. How, how are they, you know, with, with – I know with a volunteer fire department, obviously it's all volunteer, but mm-hmm. how difficult has it been, you know, through the pandemic and all, all everything that's been going on to get people interested enough to join those uh, – those volunteer fire departments. Has that been a, a, a situation at all that's caused a problem? That, that's that been a
0: big challenge nationwide. Yeah, uh, It's not just for Dixon County. That's everywhere. Um, of course, the volunteer fire service has is, is been getting weaker and weaker and weaker every year. I mean, you can look back for the last 20 years. Those numbers have dropped yeah, every year. Um, you just got a lot of folks that are – having to work more, more hours, multiple jobs, you know, they just don't have the time. Of course, kids, you know, I, I've got kids yeah. and there, there's something every day going there. Just time is, is what it takes and a lot of folks just don't have it. But uh, we're also seeing, um, kind of a, I don't know, you know, it's like the younger folks that are coming in, you know, your, your early, t- uh, teens and twenties, they just, not interested. they're just not interested anymore. I, I mean, whenever I was, 16 17 18 year old you know i was ready to go let's go let's see what we can get into you just you just we're just not seeing that anymore but um it's a challenge it's every day you may be able to get two or three members on on monday and two quit by friday you know so it's just constantly and you can't just you can't just say okay here's your turnout gear hop on that truck, take off. Right. It doesn't work that way. Uh, We've got laws that we have to follow. You know, you have to be trained to this level before you can go into, you know, that house fire. And that's another thing, you know, that's, it's a lot of hours of dedicated training. And most of it's either at night or on the weekends. And, you know, a lot of folks just don't have that time. So
2: it's, it's getting extremely hard. Yeah. I admire, you know, of course, uh, Tennessee City is in my district and everything, and so I kind of follow those guys, and I just admire those guys. Those guys are so dedicated out there, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know they do a lot of calls, and and they're real proud of their station out there, which they should be, you know, Um, but it just amazes me, you know, the dedication of these guys, and it's all volunteer. They don't really get paid anything, so... If somebody is interested, you know, in wanting to do that, do they just need to go to the individual volunteer fire department or can they come through you and you can say, you know, call these guys or whatever? Whatever they want to do. Yeah. Uh,
0: they're more than welcome to come talk to me and I can guide them in the right direction because we've got a lot of folks that are moving into Dixon that have no clue Right, you know where their fire department exactly. is. You know, we always get that. Well, the city of Dixon will come to my house if it catches on fire, and you know they may live in Cumberland Furnace. Yeah, right. Like, no, <laughs> that's not how that works. I know. You know, so uh, a lot of folks that are moving into the territory or the town just don't know what they have, so they need to do their home homework and, and see where and they watch need shows to like this and watch shows <laughs> like this. Yeah, um, but they're more than welcome to to contact me, and I can steer them in the right direction where they need to go. Um, now that's one of the that's one of the new things that we started this year through the EMA office. Um, And it was actually created through the state fire marshal's office uh, for incentive pay. Uh, So, you know, for years, career firefighters have been getting X amount of dollars a year uh, if they would do the required training that they're supposed to keep, plus 40 hours more. So there was incentive for that. You would, if you showed up for class, you took all your tests, and you know they would. The state fire marshal's office would give you what we call it, you know, a commission check, right. and it would be X amount of dollars. You know, they do the same thing for law enforcement as well. It's incentive pay. Um, state fire marshal's office created that this year, actually created it last year for volunteers. So if a volunteer fire department member can show that he or she went to 30 hours of approved training. Um, and get all that documented and get it submitted to the state fire marshal's office, they're eligible for a $600 check cool. through state fire marshal's office and the and the commission. Right. Um, since we have so many volunteer fire departments in the county, it would be hard for each one of them to host their own commission training because right. it has to be submitted, they have to approve it, check all the boxes, and say, yes, this is a good one. You can do it. So we took that upon ourselves with the, you know, permission of the mayor uh, because we have to put staff to that. So we wrote the program. Uh, we submitted the program to the commission. They approved it. All of our classes are approved. Uh, and we're hosting that for all okay. volunteer fire departments in the county. So they all know the days that are training. Uh, we train on a, on a uh, Tuesday night. Or I may have my days backwards. My days start to run together. We train either on a Tuesday night from 6 to 10, and then a Wednesday from 12 to 4, and then we'll do a Saturday uh, from 8 to 4. So there's ample time for these guys and girls to get their hours in. We we retain all the documentation. We submit it to the state. That check will come into the county, and then the county will – disperse those funds to those members and that was i think that's a great opportunity for the volunteer firemen to get get some money for for putting in their time it's nowhere near enough but they get uh some money for putting in their time plus it counts for that fire department's training so every hour that that member trains it goes to that fire department's count to help lower the iso of that district
2: Cool, cool. Now, uh, uh, you know, like a Tennessee uh, volunteer fire department, I know they do a lot of calls. You know, I I, I talked to Mike Grant there, who's the fire chief. Shout out to Mike. Um, And they do a ton of calls. Yes, sir. They run a bunch. And uh, it takes a lot of volunteerism you know, to be able to do that, you Mm -hmm. know. But those guys are dedicated. Now, of course, I'm sure the other ones are, but I I only have really knowledge of what goes Mm -hmm. in Tennessee, you know, Tennessee City.
0: All the volunteer fire departments do an excellent job. Um, There's, You can sit here and say they do a fine job all day long, but until you see what they're doing, it's you just don't understand it. I mean, for guys and girls to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning out of bed to go fight a house fire that's going to take four or five hours to do, go home, may get some breakfast, may get a cup of coffee, may even not get to take a shower and then go to
2: work eight hours a day and then start it all over again. That takes a lot of dedication, and I'm proud of them. They do a good job. Now, what's the difference? Because we have a rescue squad. What's the difference between the rescue squad and the volunteer fire department?
0: There's technically nothing different with them. Uh, All that is, that was kind of a name change for them. Uh, For the rescue squad, it was the Dixon County Rescue Squad, which they were founded... It was 1968, I think, in Dixon County, Um, and that was – it was just a name change. They changed their name – I can't remember right now. It's probably been, you know, 10 years ago or so. They changed their name from the Dixon County Rescue Squad to Dixon County Fire and Rescue, which – a lot of folks think that that's the entity of Dixon County government which it's not. Right. You know, they're they're their own volunteer fire department. They just kind of share the same name. Right. Um, but it was just a name change and I think some of it had to do for uh federal grants. You know, there were certain grants that only rescue squads could go after and then there were certain grants that if you that you, if you were a true fire department, you could go after. So I think that kind of stemmed some of it for them to change their name to go Strictly as a you know Dixon County Fire gotcha. and Rescue.
2: Now, do any of the the the, parts, the volunteer do they have uh, ambulances or, or does that all come from the EMA your department?
0: That all comes from the the ambulance service division. Okay. Uh, of course, Donnie Bear he's the EMS director, uh, so he handles all of the the ambulances. There's there's some private ambulances that are in Dixon, um, but if it's a nine one one uh, ambulance call, it'll be a Dixon County ambulance service that'll come to you. And that's coming out of,
2: of where your office is over there, we, right? They
0: have, that's, that's our station one. Mm-hmm. And then we have an ambulance stationed at Iron Hill. We have an ambulance at Burns Fire Department. We have an ambulance uh, stationed in White Bluff Fire Department. We have one there in Charlotte. And then we have one in Van Lair Gotcha.
2: Fire department. Gotcha. But that but that's still controlled by the by the EMA department, your department pretty it's much. It's not it's not
0: controlled by my EMS and EMA. They're they're in the same building, but that's that's actually two different divisions.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. All right. We're gonna take one more break and when we come back we're gonna kinda wrap it up uh, and just, you know, if you have any other information you want to give out to my audience, that would be the time to do that. So we're going to take a break. We'll be right back and uh, with Rob Fisher. doesn't have to be one of them. Make a choice you won't regret. The foremost choice.
1: It takes a real estate expert to find the right 2,000 square feet. In a neighborhood where kids can be kids, land softly, and grow up not so fast, please. A place to laugh together and make a lifetime of memories. And it all starts with a realtor, guided by a code of ethics.
2: So, can you picture
1: it? And the doors you open (laughs) together. Your insurance carrier doesn't have to be one of them. Make the choice you won't regret. The foremost choice. Are you looking for your dream home? Well, Lee Realty Group guarantees you the perfect home. With our expert agents that have over 100 years of combined experience, you are assured 100% customer satisfaction. If you are buying or selling, Lee Realty Group is your local veteran-owned real estate company. Contact us now at 615-446-2006 or online at leerealtygrouponline.com. Like us on Facebook at Lee Realty Group.
2: We welcome you back to the Jeff Eby Show. I'm your host Jeff Eby, and we've been uh, talking with uh, Rob Fisher, our EMA director, and uh, we've covered a lot of a lot of topics. But I kind of want to talk a little bit about these kind of disasters that we've had recently, which was the tornado that that went down Merrill Road, mm-hmm. uh, which was pretty devastating actually, yes, and of course the floods that happened. And it seems like we're getting more of this flooding. You know, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. Why? But it seems like we are, you yep. know. Uh, we, we've
0: we've been tracking that as part of that mitigation right. thing that we talked about. Uh, you can see it every year. Our flooding events have gone up uh, considerably the last three years. Um, and a lot of that, I think, has got to do with construction. You know, every time you add asphalt or you add a roof, you know, water's got to go somewhere. There's no more ground for it to absorb into. So I think, I think that's going to be an ongoing issue from now on out. It just, how bad is it going to get? You know, that's up to another nature and how much rain we get. But, uh, um, August of 21, uh, when we had that flooding event on that Saturday morning, that was, uh, that was, it's hard to, it's hard to visualize that and it's hard to explain it. Uh, It's one of those, you know, you have to be there, you know, you can see videos all day long and you can listen to whatever I got to say all day long. Right. Until you see that with your own eyes, it's hard to grasp how devastating Uh, and awesome water can be. Um, Yeah. I don't know if you saw that one
2: video that that they had and it was like, uh, you could just see the rise. I mean, it all happened in just minutes. You could just mm-hmm. see the water just rising up, and it mm-hmm. was like, you know, there's nothing you can do about it, really, at that time, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, that morning, of course, we're I'm in constant contact with dispatch. Uh, they, they, the girls and the guys down there always giggle whenever they call me at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, you always hear them.
2: Yeah. Hey,
0: sorry to wake you up, but we got this. So uh, a good group of folks down there, but they started calling me. Um Early that morning, with some events that was happening in Dixon, you know, uh, this road was flooded or that road was flooded, or you know, we've got a car that's off in the ditch and we got fire and rescue to it. But in a matter of less than ten minutes, it went from "there's no way in the world we can call you," we're just going to send you all this stuff, and we it was everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. You, you, we were sending crews from one to another they weren't even getting really through yet they weren't even able to pick up and get their equipment somewhat organized back they were just flinging it on whatever they could right. fling it on just so they could go to the next call and and get the folks that were trapped in these either the flooded homes or a flooded car or you know, like some of our own folks you know you had to uh, uh, some of our own sheriff's deputies, you know, right. Monzon, he was him and his family was up on the roof of their house, you know, so know. it's, uh, it, and it and it happens like that. Yeah. Um, the, That morning, you know, we we were taking care of the calls that were coming into Dixon and I know your district, Tennessee city, those guys, I mean, they were just one right after the other. And, yeah. and I, I cannot remember the number of folks that they pulled out of either buildings, homes or out of trees uh, that morning, um, but uh, they were they had a lot. They had a lot, so we were we were keeping up with that. Uh, the city of Dixon had several calls going on at the same time, uh, and at the same time, we were getting rumors. Hey, have y'all seen Waverly? Have y'all seen anything out of Waverly? Couldn't never call We I tried through our EOC to call them right. uh, and their EMA director and some of their folks there was no phones the phones weren't operating radio traffic wasn't Mm -hmm. coming out communications it goes right back to they wound up having you know a a tower got hit an AT&T tower got hit you know I think they had some problems at their 911 center Um, so to once we got control of everything that was going on in Dixon um, we started Getting phone calls from folks. Hey, you know this is this is happening in McEwen. This is happening in, in Waverly, and you know they've they've got you know whole all of Waverly's underwater type things. So we got our group lined up. Uh, we kept enough assets in Dixon uh, to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. if we had some waves, and then we sent two boat teams um, to Waverly, and we were actually coordinating that through the EOC. Through members of the McEwen Fire Department that knew the area, we I didn't I didn't know right I know most roads in McEwen and Waverly I don't know the little back roads and stuff like that so we were calling them and they were calling us hey if you can get your guys to here we'll get them to there Mm -hmm. or and then we'll get them from there to here so about two hours later we finally got our crews into Waverly and the as soon as they hit the ground. They, they took off, and uh, they, we had two boat teams there. Um, that was led by uh, Robbie Street uh, with the City of Dixon Fire Department and uh, Chief Greer with the City of Dixon Fire Department. They were leading that group. Uh, and we were just coordinating, getting them in getting them out. So that was a crazy day. I know. It's still, I mean, to this day, it's still not fixed. It's no, it, if
2: you drive down to Waverly, it still don't look that good. You know? There's still and, a lot of damage. And, you know, and I, I've said this before, you know, when something like that happens, you know, everybody that wants to get the photo op shows up and, you know, we're, we're going to do all this, and then, you know, six months later, uh, we're the yep. where are the people with the photo op, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got that finished up, and then, December morning of, you know, 12-11 uh, is when we had the call for the tornado. Same thing, yeah. you know, dispatch calling me early in the morning. Hey, we've got this, we got that. So we started organizing our groups um, to get them in there. Uh, we started calling in some other folks with the sheriff's department, and the Dixie County Fire and Rescue Squad was sending assets into the, into the area. Um, and that tornado wound up. On Merle Road, you know, Merle Road's got several big, large, what I call S curves. Right. You know, you, they make a yeah. snakes the way through there. Right. The way that tornado come through, it pretty much hit from one end of Merle Road to the other because oh, it did just the way it went through those you know, those curves. Right. Um, and you know, we were extremely fortunate there uh, that nobody got. You know,
2: I don't know, if you, yeah, if you saw the devastation, yeah. you're thinking, surely yeah. somebody, you yeah. know. You uh, know, we had some bumps yeah. and bruises yeah. and
0: some scratches and some cuts, um, but thank God nobody, yeah, nobody got killed. Um, but uh, the community has worked excellent. Uh, we've had a lot of volunteer groups come through there, and it's kind of like what you just got through saying, you know, the day of, there's people coming from everywhere. You know, 10 days later, there's still people there, you know. Two weeks later, there's still people there, but, yeah. you know, now. everybody's kind of gone so uh i know and i know there's a lot of uh homes that are still in the merle road area that need some help with some debris cleanup as far as you know cutting and moving because it's you know there's some of those homeowners that had like six and seven acre lots and they were all woods and all the woods are gone i mean so (laughs) it's i don't i don't i couldn't even begin to think on how to try to clean up seven acres of you know just all laid down lumber but um, you know, it's got to get done. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's – we try to help and organize as much as we can. Um, but as far as the government side of it, you know, we're kind of limited to what we can do. Right. You know, if it's not on the road and it's not on the right-of-way, we technically – you know, can't come on your property and and remove anything. Or, you know, I know that tree may be a hundred feet off the road, but we, by law, we technically can't get that piece of equipment on there and drag it and and they don't understand it. And and I I get it. I'm sure they get frustrated too, seeing that equipment go by and, you know, they can't do it. But by law, we, we technically can't.
2: Right. Right. Well, listen, uh, we, we got to wrap up the show. Uh, really appreciate you taking your time. I think uh, we've really educated the, our, our audience here a little bit about how how your uh, organization works and how you are so vital to you know our county and in, in protecting us and providing all the services you have. So thank you. I really appreciate it. You know, I've worked with you on the commission and all kind of uh, in other areas, and I just really appreciate what you do. Thank and, you. Uh, we're we're thankful that, that 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 you're in that position and that you do that. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed yeah, it. and we want to just say a little bit about you know we had an officer that passed away and uh, we, uh, Zach, and we wanted to just honor him, Zach McKay, and um, today, and send prayers to his wife Jennifer. I know they're going through a hard time right now, and so. We ask that you just pray for this family. Uh, it's a big loss to our community, and uh, I know that our community will come together and, and support his family. So we just want to let you know that, and we thank you for uh, tuning in today. And uh, next week we actually have Bob Clement, who was a, a congressman in, in um, Tennessee. He's going to be up next week, so stay tuned. Uh, we'll, that will be a great interview, and so we look forward to that. But thank you for watching. Please like and share this video. Uh, that's this is how we get the word out. If you like and share this video, uh, we have a lot of new people moving into the area, and uh, we're just trying to provide in, information for those new people to know where to get services, who who provides what services in the county. So, so um, we're just trying to get the information out. So. Please like and share it. If you're, on, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and give me the thumbs up. And uh, also, again, we're on Spotify, so you can watch it as you're driving down the road. So thank you again, and uh, we will see you next week.